Hey, everyone. Welcome to your midweek Trashy Divorces, Trashy Breakups edition. My name is Stacy. Hey, everybody. I'm Alicia. Thanks for joining us today for a little trash candy that we're calling Respect. <laughs> R-E-S-P-E-C-T. I got a few fun things for you today. Mm-hmm. First up is a trash candy correction. Yes. <laughs> I missed it. I missed it from Sunday. It, it's Yeah, it happened. <laughs> little bit of an update towards the end of that story. I said mm-hmm. that Natasha Leone and Fred Armisen had been together eight years until this spring. And it is official. The couple has confirmed, or Natasha has confirmed, that they have split. Apparently, it concerns a water feature. The reason for the split. She likes a swimming pool. He does not. Well, we have used this trope in our Trashy Divorces lexicon where we talk about it not being about the chicken leg. Right. So inevitably, here in the South, there is a news story that hits every holiday about someone so in a family attacks so-and-so in a family over the last chicken leg that was on the buffet table. It is never about the chicken leg, and I dare say this is not about the water feature. Probably not. Here's what's up. Natasha Leone talks to The Hollywood Reporter earlier this year in an interview This is while the second season of her show, Russian Doll, is in its promo stuff. Right. Doing the press junket, all that. So, Leon is asked if she is currently based in Los Angeles, and she replies, I'm not. I had been there living with Fred, and during COVID, I honestly think we broke up because I wanted a swimming pool. Now, if you have the money to get a pool, and you have enough land to get a pool, and you can just get a pool... Get I a would pool. just say get a pool. Get a pool. Again, I think the pool is the chicken leg. Mm-hmm. She will continue saying that we love each other just about as much as two people can love each other. And we're still taking all the time. But Freddie doesn't like a swimming pool. It might seem like a mundane reason for a breakup. But during that pandemic, you got to get to your laps. I'm like Burt Lancaster in The Swimmer. Because... Natasha wanted to swim. She will end up purchasing a home of her own in Los Angeles with the pool. <laughs> I mean, that is a great thing to do if a pool is what you want. Apparently, rumors began that they had split back in the fall of 2021, where we see Natasha holding hands with a mystery man. Hmm. Remember, they were first linked, Fred and Natasha, in 2014 when they were spotted kissing at the Netflix post-Emmys party at the Chateau Marmont. I don't know if I talked about this. They got together because of Maya Rudolph, Mm, our favorite Maya Rudolph. Natasha Leon will tell Glamour in 2019, I was going through a rocky road, as we know, she said of her Grey Gardens phase. The actress added that when Maya Rudolph and Fred Armisen came over to visit her, (laughs) Natasha Leon imagined this, is in a long silk robe, sunglasses on, and chain smoking. She says, I pulled out a copy of Legs McNeil's Oral History of Punk, Please Kill Me, autographed it, and was like, welcome, kid. Fred, what a name. Happy birthday. Enjoy the book. He still has it. (laughs) So he has a memento of his trashy breakup. Mm -hmm. Again, I think the pool is the chicken leg here. Natasha, you get your laps on. Go, girl. Sure. So that's great. Because this is Trashy Breakups, so that is the follow-up 
little Sunday. Bit sorry that I missed that. Sometimes I do stories ahead of time, and they're just there. They're when just we have there. Busy weeks. Done and Done is releasing twice this week, so I'm like, I'll just pull that one out. Right. Yeah. That's already researched. <sighs> Yeah. Well, Trash candy comes too fast. Breaking news. <laughs> Two months later. Hey, y'all, we're going to take a quick break here. A little bit of a different twist for the remainder of this episode. We have a listener letter, and I think you're really going to like it. Mm-hmm. We'll see you on the flip. Hi, I'm Chris Gethard, and I'm very excited to tell you about Beautiful Anonymous, a podcast where I talk to random people on the phone. I tweet out a phone number. Thousands of people try to call. I talk to one of them. They stay anonymous. I can't hang up. That's all the rules. I never know what's going to happen. We get serious ones. I've talked with meth dealers on their way to prison. I've talked to people who survived mass shootings. Crazy funny ones. I talked to a guy with a goose laugh. Somebody who dresses up as a pirate on the weekends. I never know what's going to happen. It's a great show. Subscribe today. Beautiful Anonymous. So, Alicia, what we have today is a letter from one of our listeners that we loved we love listener letters. Please send them to us. If we ever get a chance to use them, we're going to use them in the place that it is most impactful. And I think today is a great day to use this particular letter that we got from Elizabeth. Elizabeth, happy birthday to you, our oh, Gemini birthday. friend. Mm-hmm. We love your mama. Huh. This is her mama's letter, actually. We have changed the names and the details within this listener letter to protect the innocent or the guilty, whichever way it goes. Or just the privacy of people. <laughs> Whatever. Innocent guilty. Sounds a little bit more fun. Sure. Hello, Stacy and Alicia. Elizabeth writes, The story you read on Trashy Breakups this past Wednesday inspired me to send this story to you. It was written by my 87-year-old mother about getting a bank loan in the 1970s after her marriage to my father imploded. I asked her to write it down because 1972 wasn't really all that long ago. This little story is called A Dramatic Change of Life by Elizabeth's mother. Sure. It didn't take me long to change my clothes when I got home after work. Last night, when everyone had gone to bed, I'd pulled several things out of the closet in order to choose the most appropriate attire for this life-changing appointment, which eliminated much of the 1970s wardrobe hanging there. No miniskirts bell-bottom slacks or jumpsuits, and absolutely no blue jeans. That left two choices. My lipstick red A-line dress, which reached all the way down to my knees, or my very old navy blue skirt, prissy white long sleeve blouse, and should I add an old flowered scarf? No, just the skirt and the blouse. Pantyhose and navy penny loafers would have to do. I got to the bank right on time and walked in to meet my prospective loan officer. To my delighted surprise, it was Karen Cooper. I'd known her forever. She'd been one of the friendly seniors at my high school when I was a lowly freshman. We could talk turkey. Small world. My plan was to impress her with my preparation and asking for a mortgage on a wonderful house in an old neighborhood within walking distance of all the schools my four children and I attended. I, as a classroom teacher, one to a high school, two with me to grade school, and one to church kindergarten. Of course, the house was a bit shabby, but it could be improved over time. The important thing was that it was available right now. The children and I needed a place of our own ASAP. My dad had bailed me out of an emotional and financial swamp about six months earlier. 
His only condition was that the five of us move in with mom and him for a while. My parents had been surprised by the rocky shape I was in, as my 20-year marriage had crashed and burned, but were standing by to help me pick up the pieces so that I could start over. The time had come for the five of us to move on, literally, and the little bungalow was the answer. It only had one bathroom, but we were used to that. There were three bedrooms on one side of the hall, while on the other side, the dining room behind the master bedroom would make a fifth bedroom. All of us could have our own space. Perfect. The best news of all was that Bobby Joe Jones, another high school acquaintance, owned the house and was desperate to get rid of the monthly mortgage payments. I didn't need a penny down. Just enough cash for the modest closing costs and my signature to take over his loan. The payments were less than $200 a month, which I could just barely manage on my teacher's pay. We'd have to make it work. $200 a month mortgage payments? Wow. Bobby Joe Jones, who had been a couple of years behind me in high school, was in the insurance and real estate business with his dad and younger brother. Bobby Joe had made a bad decision when he bought this 1920s bungalow. He had visions of becoming a real estate mogul as a way to get out of the family business, and this home on Prospect Street was not his only boondoggle. He needed out of several properties quickly. We were the answers to each other's dilemmas. Sounds perfect, right? Mm -hmm. Karen Cooper took all the information. Financial statement, very short. Employment, etc. She smiled and reassured me that everything looked great. She would present my credentials to her boss and call me when she had an approval. I was elated. Furniture was not a problem. All my household goods were stored in my folks' basement garage. They just need cleaning up and toting out. We could get settled into our new home in days. Huzzah! But no huzzah. Two days later, Karen Cooper and I had another four o'clock appointment. I rushed there. After the 3.30 dismissal bell had rung, my elementary school was a bare block from the bank. When I walked into her office, she wasn't smiling. She said, Mr. Burns will only approve your taking on this loan only if your dad co-signs. It's against this bank's policy to grant loans to single women. The problem is you haven't established a credit record in your own name. Wow. Of course I haven't. How could I? I've just recently become a single woman. Mm-hmm. Mom replies to Karen Cooper. I was trying my best not to succumb to the bitter disappointment and burst into tears. There is no way I will ask my parents to co-sign this loan. I am trying to relieve them of responsibility for us right mm-hmm. now. For a few minutes, I was too flabbergasted to speak. This is so offensive. Like a working mother of four who's appears quite stable like had a 20-year marriage like (laughs) this is so offensive karen was watching me sympathetically i knew she had advocated for me probably mr burns the old goat hadn't wanted to approve me at all then out of the blue i heard myself say well i suppose i'll just go home and call now's 800 number (laughs) prefacing in for y'all who may not be familiar with now now is the National Organization for Women. Yes. Let's go back. 
Well, I suppose I'll just go home and call NOW's 800 number. They are interested in bringing suits against banks that discriminate on the basis of sex. Maybe they will take my case. Please let your boss know that is my plan. Hey, Mr. Burns. <laughs> Three weeks later, my kids and I moved in to that bungalow on Prospect Street. I had not had to call now. <laughs> the old goat had chosen a less rocky path. Karen had called me the very next afternoon <laughs> to let me know I could take over the loan beginning at the first of the month. Wow. My journey as a single mom and sole provider for my children had launched. Knowing that mom and dad were always there for us and that now was opening doors that before had been locked and barred eased my way. The 1974 Equal Credit Opportunity Act had been passed by lobbying efforts of now other civil rights organizations and in particular Congresswoman Lindy Boggs who sneaked in the provision banning discrimination due to sex or marital status without the knowledge of the otherwise all-male committee. Lindy Boggs, you're a hero. Mm -hmm. They swallowed her addition without any sugar to help it down. Karen Cooper, another woman and friend, had added her good opinion of me. Thanks to a true community effort, I owned a home. After that, whenever I went into the bank, before drive throughs you know, <laughs> I made sure to wear my most outrageous miniskirt. Thank you very much, Mr. Old Goat. Love that letter. I love it. We can date this epic tale from 1974 when the aforementioned Equal Opportunity Credit Act was passed, which became a game changer for women and how they have, you know, rights and autonomy in this mm -hmm. world, which is an incredible thing. Yeah. An ability to open a bank account in your own name. Incredible. Sign checks. Couldn't happen prior. Until, so you could open a bank account in the 60s. Sorry, that happened where you could have like a savings account. But the thing with the Equal Credit Opportunity Act is this law made it illegal for credit card companies or other financial institutions, banks, lenders, to discriminate on the basis of gender, religion, race, or national origin. This was written for people looking to get credit cards or secure loans. Right, so they could purchase a home, start a business, send a kid to college, the normal stuff, the just the normal day-to-day -day of our economic activities. It's remarkable that that only became law two years before I was born. <laughs> game changer. Mm -hmm. It also changes the game when we come to fluctuating divorce rates in the United States. I bet so. It's kind of interesting. Back in olden times, ye old olden times, women <laughs> didn't gain a lot of power in the no. 1700s. It's not really until the 1800s that any significant milestones are achieved. I don't think the government even tracked divorce in the U.S. prior to like 1867 or something. It's yeah, like, those are the first stats I have. It was just so unusual. There was no reason to catalog it. Well, the 20th century is a little bit interesting. And well, let's, let's go back to the late 19th. Again, you mentioned divorce statistics were not recorded prior to 1867. But starting there from the 1867 to 1879 time range, we'll start at the baseline, 3% of 
marriages end in divorce. It's unheard of. Nobody divorces. Yeah. And if you do, it's really, really probably for a very good reason that you've divorced. By the time we reach the turn of the century, 1900, we're looking like 7%. Kind of grows a percent a year until we hit 1916, where we jump from in between 10% and 15% of marriages ending in divorce. But you've also got the 1920s. Flappers. You've sure. got women's movements, right. suffragettes. We can now vote. Things are a little bit different. Well, it's also right on the heels of World War One. And I'm sure plenty of people had rushed off to the altar before shipping out for that. And then you come home and you're like, oh, my God. What am I doing? don't even know each other. You right? will find a spike in divorce rates after World War One, as well as World War Two. Makes sense. And the divorce rate spikes, just kind of interesting. We started in 1940 with a 20% divorce rate. By the time we hit 1945, we're looking at not 35%. Mm-hmm. By the time we get to 1946, we have almost, we're at 43%. Yeah. We add eight more percentage points right, to that. Right, right. Things trend back down, though, into mm-hmm. the 20% or so until we the, hit birth control. Uh, yeah, I was going to until the mm-hmm. baby boomers are old enough to <laughs> dive in to the That's divorce exactly school. right. 64, we start on an uptick again. But that's not even as impressive until we get to the 1970s. We're looking at 1970, the year 35% of marriages and in divorce. So definitely increased over time. Mm -hmm. Women have a bit more autonomy. Mm -hmm. By the time we get to 1975, the year after we get to the Equal Credit Opportunity Act, that rate has increased to 46%. Going on 48%, 50%, 51%, 53% by the time we get to 1979. It is not just women having a little bit more access to financial freedom here, but also in the 1970s, the couples now have an option of a no-fault divorce. Yeah. Right? Not everywhere, but yeah, that started. Laws are changing. Mm-hmm. It is also the first time one member of the couple could cite our favorite irreconcilable differences (laughs) as the reason for the divorce, which makes divorce a little bit easier to obtain. Yeah. You don't have to sort of put on a faux criminal case alleging that you're To prove adultery or cruelty. You can Mm -hmm. just be like, yeah, I don't really want to be married to this person anymore. not compatible. Now, divorce rates have gone down since then. They kind Mm -hmm. of reached their peak there and we're trending back into the... 40 percent mark which makes a lot of sense but again it's worth reiterating (laughs) r-e-s-p-e-c-t let me be in charge of my money and my body and my life thank you very much yeah i mean i think trends today are that people tend to like delay getting married i suspect that the rate will continue to fall is my point because i think absolutely true despite the existence of this show i think people are less prone to rush into marriage today than they were in the past. So. Yeah, fools rush in. Not so much. Yeah. Get to know your chicken legs. Yeah. Get to know your swimming pools. Get to know yourself. Yeah. Do your laps. Do your laps. Works. Know where your cash is, y'all. Yeah. I'm about to give you all my money. Least you can do for me. Show me some respect, Mr. Burns. Yeah. Thank you, Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing your mother's delightful and letter. Yes, thank you, Elizabeth's mom as well. To your point, 1972 was really not all that long ago. No. 
not long ago at all. Trash Pandas, thanks for joining us today for this little bit of a detour and diversion. That letter just delighted our little hearts. We're going to be back on Sunday with two brand new stories for you. Until then, if you need more Trash Candy, you can check us out at patreon.com. Over a thousand episodes over there. Bonkers. As well as Done and Done this week is going into kind of an old Hollywood thread on Marilyn Monroe Mm, that y'all may like. Right. Until then. Until then. Keep your hands clean, friends. Keep those hearts trashy. Know where your funds are. Know your interest rates. And go tell Mr. Burns to go suck it, old goat. (laughs) Cheers, friends. Have a great rest of the week. See you Sunday. And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us, Stacy and Alicia, with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O. Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at CarbonMade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy. Check her out at Ratsy's store on Instagram and definitely drop into Ratsy's store anytime you're in Oberlin, Ohio. You can contact us at TrashyDivorces at gmail.com or find us on the World Wide Web at TrashyDivorces.com. If you need more trash candy in your life, our Patreon community includes some of the very best humans around and thousands of hours of bonus content at every level of support. Join the fun at Patreon.com slash TrashyDivorces. Interested in some Trashy Divorces swag? Check out our merch shop and Trash Panda Enthusiasm Society at bit.ly slash trashy gear. Want to advertise with us? Reach out to sales at advertisecast.com for more information. And last but not least, come play with us on social media. I keep most of our Trashy Divorces Instagram hopping. Stacy and I share it up over on Facebook, including our Trashy Divorces podcast discussion group. Come join us over there and thanks again everybody for listening. Keep it trashy y'all.